0: What is up, squad? Welcome back to the Love Your Body Podcast, it's your host Avery here, and on today's empowering episode, we are exploring women's health across the lifespan. From the challenges faced during adolescence to the transitions of menopause, we are going to explore how to navigate these health milestones and promote well-being at every stage. As a woman, it can be very difficult navigating the various hormonal changes throughout our life, right? With these changes, we often face quite a bit of adversity and challenge. So the goal of today's episode is just to inform you and empower you so that you can support your well-being as a woman at each stage of life. And also, if you have children or young women in your life, making sure that they're empowered and educated and informed as well, as a lot of these changes can be extremely difficult, right? Before diving in, I just want to say, It is my goal with each podcast episode to give you short and to the point information. That's why I keep all of my podcast episode usually under 20 minutes, even less, unless I have a guest, just to give you the quickest bit of information that you can comprehend, break down, and start to implement pretty much as soon as possible. I try to go in depth while also keeping these topics pretty surface level so that way you can break down the information and pretty much, like I said, just get started with any strategies that I've shared. I want to make these topics as easy to understand as possible, but I want you to know that there is always so much more to explore with most of these topics and so many things that I may not cover in an episode. For example, like Dr. Andrew Huberman has amazing information. His podcasts are, you know, two to three hours and he's sharing the data. He's sharing, you know, all the scientific information, which is so great. And I absolutely love listening to him. But my goal for these episodes, like I said, are to make it short, make it quick, make it easy to comprehend. So that way, again, you can start implementing any of this as soon as possible. So I just wanted to let you know that there is always more information. I just felt that it was important to point that out, especially on this episode, because there is so freaking much. We could talk for hours about women's cells, about women's hormones, especially since we are covering hormones across the lifespan. But I am going to keep these topics pretty brief just to deliver the basics so that way we can get this information. But please keep in mind, like I said, that this goes deeper. And what I really want you to know that it's so important to explore deeper and if you have any any questions please reach out to me if you want more in-depth information than i give on the podcast you can always ask questions i always link my profiles instagram and facebook in the show notes so you can click on that and immediately message me i'm here to answer any questions as i can now that i got that out of the way let's begin talking about adolescence one of the first you know milestones of a woman's health hormone life The journey of a woman's health really begins during adolescence, right? And it's a significant time of physical and emotional changes. There's a lot that goes on during this time. During this time, during this milestone, it can be very confusing, right? Especially as other young girls enter in this phase at different times, often prematurely. And a lot of young girls feel alone because they're starting this at such a young age, and it's actually very concerning because right now, We are seeing the average age of a first period of breast development and other changes that come with this puberty getting younger and younger, which can be very, very concerning and a huge sign of hormonal issues right off the start. This can actually be linked back to plastics and other endocrine disrupting chemicals in our environment and actually women's care products. It's a very important conversation. I've actually touched on this in previous episodes. You can go back and um, look at that. I've talked about endocrine disrupting chemicals or EDCs as I will refer to them for the rest of the podcast. But they are very, very detrimental to women's health because they basically mimic or disrupt or hormones can really cause excess estrogen in our bodies and a lot of things that can be harmful to just us in general. So being aware of that is extremely important during puberty it's very important to educate young women about their bodies and provide guidance on maintaining their health right so as young women like i said it's kind of a confusing time when all of your friends are starting at different times maybe you're late maybe you're early you know obviously you're in a class full of boys as your body starts to change you just feel uncomfortable and things are weird whether you feel behind or you feel ahead or You are changing a little bit quicker than someone else or you're changing in different ways than someone else and obviously like getting your first period is kind of (laughs) scary. It's the first time that you have it. It's just weird and interesting, right? So it's very very important that these young women understand what is going on. So here are some like essential points to consider when having these conversations or just keeping in mind, especially young girls menstrual health so the very first thing is helping girls understand embrace their menstrual cycle right teach them about menstrual hygiene what available products there are to use and managing any discomfort or pain or any changes that they could expect emotionally physically I know school systems obviously typically have this talk, but please, like as a parent, you know, do what you can to go more in depth and show your child that you're very supportive because, like I said, it is a weird time to navigate. So having the conversation, answering questions, and being available to have these open and honest conversations with your child, I believe, is incredibly important. Now, this next piece might seem a little bit silly because we're talking about children. But there are just different ways that children can do these things and what we think of as adults. Nutrition and physical activity are extremely important at all stages of life, but especially you know at this stage because having a balanced diet and regular exercise can really help ease PMS symptoms that they may experience, the transition symptoms that they may experience. It can help support their hormones from a very young age, which is very, very important because we're gonna talk about how hormonal issues affect us at every stage. And really just kind of ease those emotional side effects of the menstrual cycles in young adult years. So like I said, physical activity might look different to a young child. I'm not telling you to force your child to go lift weights. That's just unrealistic and weird unless they want to, you know, encourage that and, and really help them and support them in that area. But getting physical activity is just playing outside with their friends. Or, you know, if they're in middle school, going on bike rides with them. Maybe you can, everyone's like doing the rollerblading or roller skating. That's so fun. Like, go do physical things, get them up and moving. You know, we've got a lot of technology keeping us inside right now. So, anything that you can do to encourage your child to be physically active in a fun way, get them involved in sports or just doing something that's going to enhance that activity. Now, when we're looking at nutrition, obviously, no kids can be a little bit more picky, can be a little bit harder. You kind of have to like pick and choose your battles as a parent. But trying to get creative there and as they get older too, when they're in this adolescent phase, they're able to understand a little bit more about like why things are good for them and why things are not good for them. So just having those open and honest conversations with your children can honestly go a long way and doing it in a supportive, encouraging way rather than like a forceful, you kind of have to do this way. is obviously important when it comes to speaking with children because they're going to start making their own decisions and they want to feel good about the decisions they make and not really forced into them, if that makes sense. But I digress, as always. <laughs> the third piece here is just the mental health aspect because, like I said, it's kind of a difficult time for young women. So keeping open conversations about emotional well-being, you know, self-esteem, stress management can be very helpful. Just encouraging those healthy coping mechanisms. And support systems letting them know that you're there for them oftentimes it's really hard for young teens and adolescents to open up so don't feel frustrated if they have a hard time opening up about their experiences because honestly like when I think about when I was in middle school the last thing I really want to do was talk to my parents about how I was having insecurities about my body image like I did not want to talk to my parents about that I didn't want to talk to my friends about it because it was just all in my head and I didn't want anybody to know that I was struggling but I thought about it so much and as your bodies begin to change and you know, obviously young boys begin to change as well There's a lot more talk in middle school I feel like about people's bodies and what people look like and um, that really gets into your head once you're becoming aware of those changes So this can really affect young women and men self-esteem, right? So having these open conversations with your child is like hey, I just want you to know I'm here for you I know these changes can be difficult I'm here supporting them in any way they, any way that they need and providing them with those healthy coping mechanisms, like I said, and being a support system for them because sometimes middle school is freaking hard. The last piece to this, which we're going to like cover in every uh, space today, in every phase today, are endocrine disrupting chemicals, like I mentioned earlier, EDCs. So do what you can to educate your child about these EDCs and toxins that could be manipulating or disrupting their hormones. Hormone health starts in childhood, and we're gonna talk about later actually starts literally in the womb. (laughs) So being and making your child aware as soon as possible. Again, having an open conversation, an empowering conversation. Don't put them into fear, but just kind of let them know. And then doing what you can to maintain that at home. So limiting their exposure at home. Obviously, it's gonna be impossible for them to make the most educated decision. Like when you're in middle school, when you're in high school. You think you're invincible it's not on the prior like it's not your top priority and that's okay don't stress about that but do what you can to be at home and when they're at home it's a safe environment for them environmentally when it comes to toxins when it comes to emotional support and you know just let the rest happen just educate them let them know have conversations with them and again they are their own people even though that they're young and children they will make their own decisions and as they get older They will probably you know kind of realize and and make even better decisions because they're going to care even more just like thinking back when you were you were that age right like it's just hard to comprehend some of these topics sometimes so just kind of doing what you can have fun with it you know if there's a way that your child really takes information just try to get creative when it comes to having these conversations Really, the next major stage is focusing on reproductive health and family planning, right? So once you get your first period, you've entered your reproductive years. So as women transition into this phase, they are going to face unique health considerations, right? So when we look at some of these important aspects, we really want to focus on some regular checkups. So when it's time to kind of get these routine checkups done, we want to make them a priority so encouraging women especially when they're in this next phase of life to schedule routine visits with their healthcare provider for pelvic exams, pap smears, breast exams, those kinds of things, just making sure that we are getting these routine checkups done because these screenings can detect any early signs of like abnormalities, disease, you know, dysfunction, things that we really want to be aware of. And the next piece here we are obviously in our reproductive years so this means that we can yes get pregnant and have a child so it's very important to discuss this obviously with your child as they are in middle school high school letting them become aware of some of the consequences of engaging in sexual activity and letting them know that there are options and again having that child conversation depending on the age that they're at i think it's very very important to Again, they're going to learn some of this in school, but as a parent, I truly believe that it's very, very important that we have these conversations at home as well. So discussing various birth control options and discussing what is available, the pros and cons, I personally do not recommend the birth control pill or any form of like birth control insert, whether it's hormonal or non-hormonal. If you want more information on that, please check out episode 12. Great episode. I'm not going to dive into birth control today. But tracking ovulation can be just as effective, especially when done correctly. So really just empowering women to make these informed decisions based on their individual needs and preferences, right? Also, just educating them about safe sex practices, sexually transmitted infections, and the importance of consent are all important aspects. Now, you're the parent. Obviously, things come into consideration, such as religious beliefs um, and what you, you know, ideally believe should be practiced around these safe sexual topics or what should be talked about i guess with your child so as a parent that is totally up to you to decide what you discuss with your child however you know it is recommended that they are aware of the process they are aware of the options so that when they you know grow up or whatever you know you hope for them that they understand and they have this knowledge and just in case they find themselves in some situation they know how to handle it they know what to do because they have been taught these safe practices right also when it comes to young women like i kind of briefly touched on the importance of consent you know we teach that at a young age like even in elementary school they're taught um, i think a police officer comes in and they talk to them about you know safe touch or good touch bad touch kind of thing so these are very very important for young women especially at such a young age to understand the importance of consent when they're able to kind of comprehend those things and doing it at various stages so like i said obviously having these conversations with children look a little bit different than the conversation you would have with an adult so just get creative and be able to share with your child these practices and understand that, you know, they need this information, even if it's a topic that you don't feel like you want to discuss because you don't want to think about that happening, right? Which is totally, totally makes sense. However, that can be harmful because if your child isn't educated, it can get them into a tricky situation and you just want to make sure that they are safe regardless of what happens. So when it is time and women do choose to start having a family, the needs during pregnancy and postpartum care are very, very, very important to be aware of, right? So unfortunately, infertility rates are increasing and it's really unfortunate. Many links have actually been found between the standard American diet and exposure to EDCs. And these two things are really making it harder and harder for women to get pregnant. It's also affecting men's fertility as well. Honestly, infertility is very scary. It's a very serious problem, and as I mentioned earlier, it needs to be addressed in childhood, but really while that child is still in the womb, and that starts with when. You, yourself, or as women, we are pregnant, right? So pregnancy is a transformative experience for women, both physically and emotionally. So let's touch up on some vital considerations. First things first is that prenatal care, emphasizing the importance of regular prenatal checkups and tests to ensure a healthy pregnancy. Obviously, those kind of come with the different milestones and your health care provider can walk you through those options and what you really need and the testing that you need done. Understanding that, again, the exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals has a direct effect on your child and the womb as well. And they're very, sometimes even more susceptible because of the development and how sensitive they are while they're developing. Understanding, to the proper nutrition, exercise, self-care during pregnancy is very, very important. You know, keeping regular exercise is important to just ensure like a healthy, safe, easier delivery and really, really helpful just to keep you strong, your bones strong, which is important. Also, having good whole food nutrition is so important, ensuring you're getting your minerals. When we're pregnant, we're eating for two, right? You hear that all the time, and it's very, very true. So as the baby kind of gets prioritized here and the nutrients that you are eating is gonna kind of go directly straight to the child, which is great, but we wanna make sure we're still getting the proper minerals, vitamins, and resources that we need as well, because we also need to be healthy. We need to be healthy for the baby. We need to be healthy for ourselves. And if we want to kind of limit some of the side effects, we've got to make sure we're eating enough and enough of the right foods. And the last piece, like I talked about, is that self-care piece, taking some time to unwind, decrease your stress, take care of the aches and pains you may have in your body, and really just find that way to give yourself some self-care is incredibly important. On top of this, we've got to address the emotional ups and downs of pregnancy and postpartum. So there's a lot that comes into our changing hormones, which can directly affect our emotions and how we process emotions and how we feel and all the things. And it can be frustrating. We can feel happy. We can feel sad. We can feel a little bit depressed. So obviously postpartum depression is a real thing. So please understand that there are a ton of resources out there. And you are not a failing mother if you are struggling with postpartum depression or with any of these emotional ups and downs. It can unfortunately just kind of be a part of the process and what your body is changing. So kind of going back to emphasizing the importance of you know nutrition, exercise, self care. Very very important to kind of support these processes to decrease your risk. And if you do, you know, have that, aiding in those symptoms and just increasing you know the goodness that comes from the other side of that right so just really seek help when you need it it's important to ask for help and it's okay to ask for help and the next kind of piece of the postpartum journey is breastfeeding right so obviously breastfeeding is great it's great for the baby they get vital nutrients that they need from the mother unfortunately breastfeeding is sometimes not an option for everybody and they are unable or things happen or there is a risk involved but if you are breastfeeding, it's so important to be eating enough food. Again, nutrients go into the breast milk, right? Getting getting the nutrients to your baby. You need enough food as well. It is recommended to be eating at least 2,000 calories a day of whole foods to get the proper nutrients and minerals needed to breastfeed and also keep you good. But I would argue that we probably need closer to 2,500, which I know sounds like a lot. And a lot of women... You know, they're postpartum, obviously your body changes and they're ready to get back to where they were and they start thinking about fat loss and they want to lose some fat. They want to lean out. They want to shed some fat and kind of like get back to where they were before. But honestly, your focus while breastfeeding should not be fat loss. And sure, it could be possible to safely shed fat while breastfeeding, but your focus should be caring for you, getting enough nutrients that you need for you and your child, which is going to incorporate eating a little bit more food, but if you are eating clean, whole, nutritious foods, you should not notice, you know, unwanted changes for the most part. And if you do, you've got time, you've got so much time. So just understanding that when you are breastfeeding, it's incredibly important to be eating enough food for both you and baby. Also understanding that as you move forward postpartum, the foundations that you had had before you were pregnant, while you were pregnant, and now, are going to rub off on your children. So whether those are good, healthy foundations or poor, shitty foundations, like just to be blunt, right? So if you have those good foundations, you've been taking care of yourself. You've been prioritizing your hormone health. You've been prioritizing your health. This is gonna rub off on your family. You're gonna start a new legacy. You're gonna change for generations to come. I usually say, and this is why I love working with women, especially moms, that when moms make change the whole family makes change that includes the husband that includes the children like when mom makes change to her diet starts exercising this really encourages the family to make changes as well so don't feel that you are taking time away from your child if you are exercising exercise with them in the room let them see let them see you lifting let them see you be strong let them see you challenge yourself you know meal prep with them in the room let them see that you care about their health and your health let them meal prep with you once they're of age, like let them have fun. Make it a time that you spend with your child if, if needed. So again, these foundations that you build is going to rub off on your children and create a new generational shift. Kind of backing up what I kind of mentioned earlier about the need for nutrients, especially postpartum during pregnancy. Hormonal support and minerals after pregnancy is just important too. You know, like I, I mentioned briefly, we lose a lot of minerals and nutrients because we are feeding another human. So it's very important that we are replenishing these minerals. Minerals are very, very important as the soil and things in our environment are already depleted. So anything we can do to get those minerals back up is very important, after pregnancy especially. Now, after this, the next significant hormonal milestone is obviously menopause as it marks the end of our reproductive years. So there are lots and lots of things to be made aware of when it comes to this transitionary phase of life. Obviously, the biggest one are just hormonal changes. So we get a lot of different physical and emotional symptoms that, you know, we may experience during menopause, like hot flashes, mood swings, vaginal dryness, like all these things are very common and some worse for others, right? And we want to make sure that we're managing these symptoms. And like I said before, this starts literally in the womb. It starts in childhood. It starts, you know, and if you don't, you didn't start then, start now, right? Make this easier on yourself. So being able to support your hormones in all the ways possible. And there's a lot of things that you can do to support your hormones, but really the big three, like I talked about in last week's episode exercise, nutrition, hydration. Then we've got sleep and stress management. All those five pieces are so incredibly important when it comes to keeping yourself healthy, especially hormonal health. And that doesn't change just because we're going through menopause. In postmenopause, we still need to make sure we are taking care of those foundations. Now, something else to be aware of is women's bone health. You know, as we age, we are more susceptible to osteoporosis because of the way that our you know progesterone is declining estrogen like our hormones testosterone as well and since we are very sensitive to those changes our bones are very sensitive and can get weak so we really need to make sure that we are maintaining good bone density by you know getting enough calcium but also resistance training resistance training is very very important especially during menopause before like i said the earlier you can do these habits the better all these transitions will be but continuing that practice through menopause, through postmenopause, and if necessary, you know, just making sure that you are getting the proper amount of hormones. So what I mean by that is if you are lacking in any area, what kind of treatment do we need to be looking at? What kind of protocol do we need to be looking at? What do we need to be doing to support your body as everyone is different? Now the last piece here, honestly, you know, not talked about enough, is throughout these stages, but especially in menopause, sexual desire and function, are going to change are and are likely to change. And it can be frustrating. It can feel weird, especially for you and your partner. So just encouraging and having that open communication with your partner and healthcare provider just to explore available options. You know, what can you do? Having those conversations are super, super important. Now, through each phase, the basic foundations, like I said, of exercise nutrition, and limiting exposure to EDCs is extremely important, like through your entire life. So this is not only going to ensure that you're healthy, but also make these transitions and milestones a lot easier and a lot more manageable. Now our bodies are incredible, obviously just talking about this, can you just think that's just the reproductive system we're talking about and we have all these other systems. It's so important that we give back and support our body in its natural processes. So women's health, as I mentioned, you know, really changes across the lifespan and it encompasses a wide range of unique experiences and challenges. So by staying informed, seeking support, prioritizing self-care, women can navigate these stages with confidence and optimal health. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you benefited from this episode, please share it with a friend that you think will benefit from it just as much as you did. I always appreciate your support and I cannot wait to chat next week.